1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at Select Business Merchants.
0: Welcome to All The Smoke, a production of The Black Effect and Our Heart Radio, in partnership with Showtime.
3: Welcome back to another edition of All The Smoke. Man, it's been like six months since we sat in these things. I got to dry my hair. Yeah, through. man. You know, you my, my yeah, be come moist, on, Because
0: I'll be putting lotion on my hands. <laughs> good to see good you, bro. Good to see you, man. Glad to be back
3: out here. Your safe travels into L.A.? Yes, indeed. It's good to see you. Good to see you. To see you. I mean, I, I just, this new glasses you, I mean, is it only like do, when we shoot remote episodes where these be on or only these are
0: only live glasses? The best way I can explain it is a man that thinks the same at 15, as he do at 30, has wasted 15 years of his life. So I'm just grow. I'm just growing. Okay. On yeah.
3: How. Yeah. But you still didn't answer my question.
0: Which, what was the question?
3: Are you going to have these on like when we do remotes or are these only glasses that come out when you do in-person in interviews? In-person probably. Okay. Yeah. In that's
0: person. what I thought. That's
3: what kind of... Anyway, man, we have a very special guest today. <laughs> um, the only female to win a professional world championship. Wow. Jeannie Buss. Welcome to the show.
4: Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. It's an honor to be
5: here. Oh, we appreciate it. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you very much. What are you inspired by in twenty twenty one? Obviously, we'll get to the mess that twenty twenty was. But what are you inspired by coming out of twenty twenty?
4: It's nice to have the Lakers be part of the conversation again. You know, it had been a few years that we were at the bottom and watching everybody else go to the playoffs. So, you know, I just want to continue and keep going and keep building this team
3: but that's a lot of pressure like you guys have obviously you know won 17 titles 11 under your guys's reign but that's a lot of pressure for the Lakers you like some teams can go years without even being in the playoffs but for you guys it's not so much even the playoffs it's championships playoffs is not good enough how much pressure is that on just a, a day-to-day basis because you've been in this since you've basically been a teenager
4: well you know it's it's really hard to win a championship. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really everything has to like line up perfectly, stay away from injuries, just it's it's really really hard. But a person in my position, what our job is is to give the team everything that they need to be successful, to be able to compete. So that's you know, every year, you know, Phil Jackson kind of taught me this that every year there's a pathway to, to winning, some might be more uphill than right, others, right. but that's what you always go into it thinking: How am I going to get there? And and that's what you do. And and you know, people like me, we we make sure that we give uh, the the team all the resources possible.
3: Absolutely. So the end of 2019, you unfortunately lost your mother. The beginning of 2020, you lost someone, another mentor to you, uh, David Stern. And then we all lost Kobe the end of that January. Um Talk to us just about where you were as a person outside of business, but obviously business had to continue, but as a person, that's a lot for anyone to handle
4: um yeah it's and i'm I'm glad the way you said um, that we all lost Kobe mm-hmm. because when people would say to me and express their condolences, I, I would correct them and say, "Hey." The world lost somebody Mm -hmm. really special Mm -hmm. and just, um, him as a friend and as a motivator and watching him as a father and a husband, you know, he just, he was a leader and, you know, he's irreplaceable. And and the knowledge that he shared with people, I had no idea until after he passed that, I mean, I knew he he helped basketball players. He helped everybody. He helped everybody, mm-hmm. people in every kind of sport. And even me, when I, I think back to, um, you know, he, um, after my father passed away in 2013, he invited me to have lunch and I, you know, I met him down in Orange County and he brought Gianna with him and he said, I hope it's okay with you. I brought Gianna because I want her to see a, a really woman. powerful mm-hmm. woman. And and I realized later that really what he was doing was motivating me. Absolutely. And he's just, he, he was, uh, you know, somebody that I, I valued and will continue to value. And, and I hope that what he stood for and you know the lessons that he he taught people like me I will continue to pass on to to other people and I think his his legend will continue to grow.
3: Yeah, we had an opportunity um one of his last if not his last interviews we went out there and interviewed him and before we even got to the interview he brought me and Jack into his office and he was just so adamant on putting the first 20 years of his greatness to bed and being that next what was but what's my next act the businessman the father the uh you know everything else he was involved in but it was amazing to me just all the other things he was into and he was you know at the time finishing his i think his second or third children's novel and he had signed mm-hmm. some books for me and the boys and you know we asked him how he got into it and just the detail he would give us and in in the and, uh, getting a chance to play with them the veracity he. The approach he took to basketball, he took that same approach to business, you know, mm-hmm. and it was scary because he was such a competitor on the court, but he was even more competitive off the court mm-hmm. because it's like, okay, the Kobe I was in the past doesn't mean shit now. Like I got to kind of reinvent myself and, and and move forward. And that really just touched me. But, um, you know, obviously we lost, uh, we all lost something
0: very special. We'll talk about Kobe a little later. Have you had time to reflect with everything going on with Kobe, how you able to, pull off a championship, doing all that?
4: You you never really recover from something like losing Kobe and David Stern and, and for me, my mother, mm-hmm. all in a short uh, time period. But what happened was watching um, LeBron lead us, lead Laker Nation, that first game back at the end of January, he made a speech where he – He told Laker Nation, I'm strong, you know, lean on me. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we did was we, you know, basketball brought us, you know, some kind of relief from our pain, Mm -hmm. the community coming together and i i don't think i ever really valued how important that was to keep going mm-hmm. and yeah it's just a basketball game but it has meaning because we're coming together to mm-hmm. do something and so now we kind of get back into some kind of rhythm and all of a sudden covid shuts everything down right. and the one thing that was comforting us you know, being together, being basketball mm-hmm. was taken away once again. And I think those months where we didn't know the bubble hadn't been invented yet and we were all just hanging Waiting, having to isolate, be away from each other—I think it, it made it worse. It it really, I think, affected my mental wellness. You know, and oh, I wasn't goodness. sleeping well. I would wake up in the morning. I literally had been crying in my sleep. Like oh, it was that powerful. I was really so grateful to the NBA for coming up with the idea of the bubble. And a way of keeping our players safe, because that was probably mm-hmm. the safest place for right. them to be. And, you know, the way I was feeling, I wanted to just embrace all mm-hmm. things Lakers, our fans, our players, and keep everybody safe. And it meant a lot to me to to uh, have a chance to compete and finish out the season. hmm
3: Are you? I think if 2020 taught us anything, it's it's that tomorrow isn't promised. Cherish your days, cherish your time through your loved ones. I think Jack and I, you know, normally when you're in the midst of something, you can't really step out and appreciate what you've gone through, what you've been through, and what you're a part of. Have you been able to do that considering the process and how up and down it's been? Have you kind of just got to think back, like, I'm running or one of the people running the most historical franchise in the history with all the ups, all the downs, but I'm in it. I'm in the mix.
4: <laughs> I, You know, it, it's like until we have the fans at Staples Center, I I just, even though I'm wearing a ring Mm -hmm. from the championship, it still doesn't seem real Mm. because we haven't had that moment. And what we did, we we gave the players the the rings on opening night, but we did not unveil the the banner. banner. We've kept that covered until we could have fans. And now we're finally in a position where We're going to start having fans. It might be 10% capacity, so maybe 1,500, 2,000 people. But, you know, when when I hear the roar of the crowd, then it'll be real for me.
3: I know I've heard you speak, and and your father, his goal was to obviously hang more banners than the Celtics, Mm -hmm. and obviously losing him in 13, you were able to tie them. What does it mean to you to follow through with his dream and his legacy and know that you're have a great chance of putting number 18 up and possibly a 19th. Like what is that doing?
0: Doing a to great
3: you?
4: job at it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I, it, it would, it would just, that, that would be, um, you know, that's what he asked me to do. Right. And so, it, um, accomplishing that would be phenomenal. I'm, I'm happy that we, we got 17, uh, certainly the if the Celtics win, then they, you know, they're going to raise the bar that mm-hmm. much more. So we have to continue to be competitive um, but I, am I'm, I'm hoping to get there. I think, um, having a player like LeBron James, uh, gives you reason to kind of put your, your foot on the gas mm-hmm. and, um, you know, how many years he's going to play. I, I hope he plays another 10 years, but <laughs> you know, uh, you don't want to lose that mm, time.
3: Absolutely, Like dad, you got to go all in, That's right. you got to go all <laughs> in. Take us back to your childhood because you really were groomed this and it's it, it not normal for a female to rise in a position although you're making it normal but back then it wasn't normal and you started by you know being a part of you know a tennis organization which your father purchased and then I think rollers uh, roller oh, skating it, situation
5: <laughs> and then you
3: know that we were we were studying that. what blew me away is your dad bought the the form the kings and the lakers all for 67 million dollars which is insane now because obviously the value is astronomical but <laughs> take us back to your childhood and just realizing that you were part of something that wasn't normal
4: my father made his money in real estate development and i thought that was that was the family business when i was growing up and i thought that's what i would end up going into. but then he decided because he was such a big sports fan that he had this opportunity to buy the Lakers and the Kings um, and the forum where they played. and all of a sudden the family business went from you know real estate to sports and entertainment. So when you own an arena, and you have a hockey team and a, a basketball team, that's about a hundred nights a year. Mm. Well, there's another 250 nights that you gotta- Keep it busy. You keep it busy. Mm-hmm. So uh, any weird sport or any any kind of entertainment, he put me in charge of. So <laughs> we had roller hockey, we had volleyball, we did gymnastics, we did indoor soccer. We couldn't do arena football because the- it Wasn't high enough. Yeah, the scoreboard mm-hmm. was too, too low. Um, and even when I was, you know, 26 years old, he sent me to Russia to negotiate with the the government officials to get the Moscow Circus to come to America oh. and tour. That didn't work out, but you know, I mean, it was whatever it was. He that that's kind of what I did, and that was great experience for me as I. Um, continued on my path. Then in, um, the last five years that we were at the forum, uh, I was named, uh, head of the arena operations. So it was a really good move for me because I was able to understand the, the nuts and bolts of how, how an arena operated and dealing with unions and, um, You know, putting now I'm on the other side. I used to be a promoter, now I'm on the other side. And that uh, experience was so valuable as we moved to Staples Center and became a tenant in a building that we don't own or operate. I was named um, to my Laker position in, you know, 1999. And, um, I remember when the WNBA was launched 25 years ago, David Stern went to my dad and said, well, you know, it's kind of obvious, like Jeannie should run, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, the women's team. And my dad said to him, you know, Jeannie's going to run the Lakers, Mm -hmm. you know, like I already have a job for Jeannie to do. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, he, he really, his intention was always for me to be in the position that I'm in.
3: Talk to us about your dad. Between I heard you speak on when you call him Doctor Bus for business affairs, and then you, but you also call him Dad. What's the difference between the two?
4: Oh, very different. Um, you know, Doctor Bus. Um, he he got his PhD in physical chemistry, so he's a brilliant mathematical mind. Um, and he, you know he was he was a great businessman, uh, you know, led with compassion and empathy, but cutthroat. You mm-hmm. know he he knew he knew how to make money, and he knew how to um, get right to the the heart of a matter. And so you know, when dealing with Dr. Buss, you better be on your your mm-hmm. toes because I mean he he could sit there I would have a calculator and we'd be going over numbers and he was faster than my calculator wow, then you can punch it in yeah like he he just wow. I didn't get that, that <laughs> I didn't get that side of him unfortunately but that's why he was a great poker player mm-hmm. as well he just had that that mind that that numbers just clicked for him
3: so what about dad though when was he dad?
4: Dad. Um dad um you know he was worried that I was um too so ambitious for my career that I would miss out on having a really you know creating a family mm-hmm. for myself. And so when I met Phil Jackson and and when when my dad was thinking about hiring Phil I was really against it because we had had um, another high profile coach in Pat Riley. And um, at that time on our team, we had Shaquille O'Neal, the, the biggest personality in, in the league, and a young Kobe Bryant. And um, I thought having another big personality would kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. it would upset things. Um, but of course my dad didn't listen to me. So then when I when I met Phil, there was just something um so something about his voice that just it just, you know, I was like, whoa, who is this guy? Like, is he single? I didn't know what his deal was. And he was going through a divorce and um, you know, there was a spark between us. And he asked me to dinner and I said you know, you know, I am interested in, you know, a relationship with you, but I am not interested in, in, you know, keeping it on the down low. Like if, if, if we're going to see each other, then it has to be with full disclosure. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I could compromise the organization Mm -hmm. and I would never do that. But, you know, I'm going to have to tell my dad (laughs) and how am I going to do this? And my dad, you know, and, and I'm getting to the story of mm-hmm. what, you know, who, who my dad was. Um, when I told him that I was, you know, starting uh, a relationship with Phil Jackson, he, he took a second and he said, you know, I've always thought you should date someone older than you because oh. he'll appreciate you. And, um, you know, so he, there he was being the supportive dad.
3: What's the time frame? So this is right. His feels first year with your guys' team was when you guys saw initially right from the jump.
4: Oh, yeah. Like it was, I mean, the second Magic. I met, him, I mean, if, you know, I, of course I had heard of Phil Jackson, but I thought he was just some hippie dude that you know like <laughs> listened to the Grateful Dead I didn't uh-huh. he wasn't my type uh-huh. and um, we were together almost 17 years mm. and and you know really one of the most important relationships of my life.
2: Mm. What's up I'm John Wall and
4: I'm
1: CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express.
6: 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
0: What are your NBA memories like (laughs) when your dad brought you around the
5: team?
4: Um, The NBA, I watched it grow. From, I think when my dad bought the team, there was only 22 teams in the league. So we went through this great growth um, period of expansion with teams like Dallas and Mm -hmm. Vancouver and Toronto and Memphis and, um, you know, really um, watching the league become kind of this, you know, little niche sport to really becoming... I think the leader in all of professional sports in terms of our relationship with the players Mm -hmm. and 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 really looking at it as a partnership Mm -hmm. between the league and and the players. And, you know, the 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 greater we grow the business, both sides benefit. So, you know, I just I couldn't be more proud to be associated with the NBA, especially after the, the the summer of 2020.
3: Mm -hmm. So your dad buys a team in 79. You guys draft Magic Johnson. First impressions (laughs) of him as just a person.
4: Um, You know, (laughs) I was um, 17 and Magic was 19. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're like basically the same same age. age. And in those days, there wasn't like a big draft event. They literally called you and said, you've been drafted by the Lakers. And so, um, he flew out to Los Angeles and, um, I was over at my dad's house and the doorbell rang and my dad said, you know, that's, that's going to be Bill Sharman bringing magic over. He goes, I got to run upstairs, um, you know, bring them in, offer them something to drink and I'll be down in a few minutes. So I opened the door and all I could see was this smile, like I, I, uh-huh. like dazzling smile, Magic Johnson. And, you know, we sit down, we start talking and Magic said, you know, I'm really, really excited that I was drafted by the Lakers, but I'm only going to stay for three years because I want to play for the Pistons. That's, you know, that's where I'm from. I want to go back home and play. And I heard that and I, I, said, excuse me a second. I ran upstairs to my dad and I said, dad, you're not going to believe it. Um, magic is, he, he said, he's only going to stay three years. And my dad didn't miss a beat. And he said, Jeannie, the first time he puts on a Laker uniform. He's never going to leave.
5: Mm. And
4: that's exactly what happened. Wow. And he's, Magic is more Los Angeles than anybody here. He's never
0: left. <laughs> How closely are you watching the games? Where were you watching the games back then?
4: Um, you know, I, when I was um, in high school, I, Played basketball at Palisades High School. Oh well, yeah, uh, right. I, uh, yeah, I was right. Ce- I was center. No, center? I was terrible. I was like <laughs> third string. But um, I was also the scorekeeper for the boys team. So um, on that team, uh, my senior year was a guy by the name of Chip England, who is. Um, the, uh, one of the assistant coaches in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. He's like the, guy that, the the shot doctor.
5: I know so,
4: um, I had this great experience as a scorekeeper and, you know, learning how to do stats. So I was, I was always kind of on the manager side uh-huh. of things anyway, not that I'm a basketball expert. I, I leave that to the basketball people, but, um, I've always, you know, loved being involved behind the scenes, um, you know, doing whatever it takes to get, you know, t- to get the team where they need to be to win.
3: So again, you guys get the team in 79, you get Magic, you already have Kareem. You guys won a championship your first year. Like, <laughs> talk to us about that. And you're thinking like, okay, I can, I, I sh- if it's winning a championship is this, I can, I can do this, right? I can do it.
4: <laughs> well, that that's my dad. It, so it was my dad's rookie year and Magic's rookie year and they won together. And that relationship was really so special so special that, um, you know, they, they really were as close as any two people, uh, their friendship, uh, my dad's mentorship of magic because, you know, magic wanted to learn the business and, you know, my dad, you know, was a a willing teacher and, um, you know, what was frustrating was, um, my dad owning a hockey team, he couldn't figure out how to win and he was having so much success with the Lakers, he finally kind of gave up in 86 and sold the team. It was winning five championships in the 80s. The, uh, the Lakers were deemed team of the 80s, which was a great honor, but to, to have that kind of success and then really not be prepared for the way Magic had to retire. Mm-hmm. People don't realize he's only 32 when he mm-hmm. retired and how many more years we had with him um, I remember when Kareem retired, um, you know, Kareem made a big announcement that this would be his last year. And so, you know, as he went to every city, mm-hmm. there was gifts, his farewell and, tour, yeah, yeah. His farewell tour. Um, you know, the next year. Because we didn't have Kareem, my dad, we got a new scoreboard at the forum. <laughs> so because it was like, how do you replace a star? You it's really hard. Um, you know, what what can we do for the fans to to keep them interested? Well, a new scoreboard with a video. That was like the first time we had video That's serious. Show, That's back right? in the 80s, right? Right. right yeah. <laughs> so 90s, yeah. you guys are too young to remember that. But anyway, <laughs> so um when Magic retired, we had no notice. It was uh preseason. And, you know, he did his routine blood test, and that's how we found out. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they found out, um, you know, he was, um, you know, he, he could have kept it quiet. But instead, he, he took that, and, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that day, that press conference. You know, I only saw my dad cry twice in my whole life. Once was when his mother, my grandmother, passed away and that day. And, um, it, it, you know, everybody was crying in the room and everybody was leaning on magic. Magic was the strongest person Mm -hmm. there. The person that was dealing with this face on was the strongest person. And, um, he, he took that opportunity to be a leader and, and we didn't know you know, nobody knew it was so new new, Mm -hmm. and we didn't know what the timing, how things were going to go. So we immediately retired his number. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, thankfully after a year or two, he was able to, you know, play in the Olympics, Mm -hmm. play in the 92 Mm -hmm. all-star games. and then, you know, decided to come back. So we had to cover up his retired <laughs> number so he could try to play. But um, it just really never, he never got back in that rhythm again. Yeah. But um, that that was devastating. So then we, now we're going into the 90s and, you know, the team, you know, struggled. You know, we missed the playoffs. Um, and I, I remember praying one night and saying, if, if you know, The universe ever sends us another player like Magic Johnson I will never ever ever take that player for Mm. granted I will do everything and you know that you know a few years later there's Kobe Bryant Mm
5: -hmm.
4: and uh, the idea that Kobe you know stayed with the Lakers his entire career 20 years we'll never see that again The way the C B A works now, I I really don't see a player's first of all playing for twenty years Mm -hmm. and second staying with one team for twenty years. Before we get
0: speaking of magic, Mm -hmm. year one, game six.
4: (laughs) Okay. You remember that? Yes. (laughs) Tell
0: me what you what was your feelings about that game?
4: Well, okay, so like, um, so people can refresh their memory. Uh Kareem was hurt. Yes, he twisted his ankle, and back then it was, and I, we're back to that now, where we would play. If you had home court, you got game five, mm-hmm. and then game six was the other team, and then and back, then home. back <laughs> home for game seven. So Kareem had twisted an ankle. The thought was, don't let him fly because it'll just Slow make up. the swelling right. worse, and we'll we. You know, we can... We'll get
3: them game seven. We'll
4: get them game seven. And um, so everybody was like, okay, well, okay, game six, we're going to lose anyway. And the coach, I guess, was saying, well, who's who's going to play center? Hmm. And Magic was like, I want to play center. And I was like, "What?" And he started at center and had one of the most amazing, amazing games ever. ever.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable!
3: Yes, Unbelievable! Thank you for Unbelievable! I've oh, right? watched that game at least yeah. ten times. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. Finals MVP too. And yeah. Before we jump tonight, there's a couple things. One on Magic contracting HIV. Obviously, we don't don't ever want to have you know anyone to have it. But it, I don't want to say this wrong. It happened to the right person from a standpoint that he can handle it, teach from it, and save thousands, if not millions, of lives being able to be a spokesperson in the face for it. Because like you touched on, it was so new at that time, mm-hmm. especially for a superstar and in the superstar of superstars to have it, Magic Johnson. Like I said, I think he really embraced it. Like you said, he could have kept it private. He could have tried to disappear. But he took it head on, spoke on it, advocate for it, and I think saved thousands
4: of Nobody lives. Nobody would have
0: handled it. No. No.
3: I
4: exactly. So. I um, agree with you on that. And, you know, and Arthur Ashe, who was a tennis player, had contracted it through a um, a blood transfusion that he had gotten for uh, another thing. And we watched him, you know, and and that's, you know, get weaker and weaker because that's what the disease, um, the progression of that disease did. And so we really... You know, didn't know what the time frame was going to be, and and here he is, as healthy and strong, as
3: strong as he's ever been. Exactly. Real quick, before we get to the '90s, show what was Showtime Lakers like from a young, twenty-something owner of the team's daughter's perspective in LA, because Showtime captivated the world. I think there's a isn't there a series being done about that team? If I'm not mistaken, you might not be able yeah. to leave those that info. walls could talk, man. So, <laughs> f- what was it just like you? I, I mean, obviously, you can never be normal in that situation, but kind of just watching everything transpire from the great play to the championships to how you guys are kind of captivating LA and the basketball nation, and then just you as a 20-something woman in LA.
4: Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Just to clarify, we are um, we are making a, a nine-part docu-series about the Lakers starting from when my dad bought the team in 79. And, you know, very much, I think people enjoyed the last dance. So we're, we're gonna, you know, Mm -hmm. give, give our fans what they're hungry for. And it's called
3: Showtime, correct?
4: Well, no, that, that's something different. Oh, okay. There is a a series being developed at HBO, a scripted series, which we are not involved in. Oh, really? And, um, you know, I really don't know what you know, I don't know how they're gonna be able to tell our story if we're not involved <laughs> right, in it. Right. So Duh. you know, um So I back
3: guess, to your guys' nine part then.
4: Yeah, so so the, the docuseries will tell the story, um, especially um in the context of you know, my dad buying the team until you know we won the championship last year and, mm-hmm. and how it all weaves together and how how my dad had had really hoped that there would be a day that Magic and I would work together mm. running the team. And, you know, it was Magic um, coming back and and standing with me, um, beside me, to that helped me make the changes that were necessary in order to get the team mm-hmm. back to being competitive. Mm-hmm. So my dad really, he saw horse that. Shot,
3: yeah. Right. Saw, yeah. Yeah. So as far as like I said again, what was that 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 era like of, of Lakers basketball <laughs> in the 80s?
4: I think just looking at the the people sitting on the floor and and the popularity and and certainly Jack Nicholson being, you know, a hardcore Laker fan, and and a lot of people think that's when he started coming was in in Showtime. It's not true. He's he was a season ticket holder since the '70s or mm-hmm. the early '70s, and um, you know he he bought his ticket. Like it, mm-hmm. it wasn't like oh, give him some some free tickets because he's the hot guy. He he loves basketball. And he still has his seats. <laughs> um, we miss seeing him because we haven't been able to have right. fans. But there seemed to be a heartbeat in, in, for the city of Los Angeles. And that was really important to my dad as well. That in a city as spread out and as diverse as Los Angeles is, that we were able to unite a city under a purple and gold flag. Mm-hmm. And during the eighties we had, you know, even the, the riots in the early nineties, mm-hmm. you you could see that this is a city that it's, it's smoldering with, um, you know, uh, just it, it being divided. Mm-hmm. And that um, my father loved Los Angeles because he wasn't born here, but, the city embraced him, and he wanted his city to be whole. He wanted yeah. his city to be together, together, and happy, and 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 united. And that's what the Lakers ultimately meant to him was about community and about being a, a leader in, um, you know, bringing people together. Ooh.
0: Yeah. I'm, from the outside looking in, I never got a chance to play for your father. But from, from me, from my side, he was just one of the most righteous owners I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's one thing I've always respected. Um, Jerry West, mm-hmm. talk about his role in helping build the Showtime. After, um, post-Showtime, right?
4: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, when my dad bought the team, the general manager was Bill Sharman. Mm-hmm. And then he, a few years later, moved to a uh, another position as advisor, um, in the front office. And then Jerry West became the general manager. And, um, you know, there was so much trust in, um, his ability to evaluate talent. And, and, you know, when you play well and you're at the top of the standings, you don't get to pick the number one pick right. and so you you have to draft really well and that's that's something Jerry West could always do mm-hmm. and when he found a player like Vlade Divak, who wasn't drafted till number 26 in the first round because people you know weren't willing to take the risk on him mm-hmm. you know that he's the, who you know replaced Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for us as our big man oh, and God. you know it, that that takes a lot of talent
3: yep. and then also the the key piece to get Kobe
4: Yes, he, yeah. he's the one that knew Kobe. Yeah.
3: What made Pat Riley a perfect fit um, when he came along? Because you spoke to earlier, obviously, you thought with Kobe and Shaq, the film might have not have been the mix. What made Pat fit in with, with Magic and the rest of the guys?
4: He was just born to be a coach. And it's funny because it, the, the way it went was, you know, my my dad buys the team in May, drafts Magic in June. Hires uh, Jack McKinney to be the head coach. And then in October, as they're um, starting training camp, uh, Jack McKinney um, had a bicycle accident and hit his head and was n- unable to coach that year. So Paul Westhead, mm-hmm. who was his top assistant, took over the role of head coach. So now to replace the assistant coach on the staff, It was kind of like, wow, we're already starting the season. How are we going to replace this assistant coach? Well, they looked to the broadcast booth, and Pat Riley was working with Chick Hearn calling the games. And they knew, obviously, he was available because... That's the season. So that's how he became uh, on the coaching staff. Uh, we won the championship that first year. The next year, Westhead wanted to take the ball out of Magic's hands. And that. that did not make right. Magic that happy. That I know that
3: <laughs> that's a death sentence.
4: And so we lost that um, second year to Houston. And of course, you know, back then the first round was best two out of three. Mm
5: -hmm.
4: And, you know, my dad said, that's, that's not enough games. So eventually we got it to seven games because, you know, in a seven game series, the, the better team will Mm -hmm. always win. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a a three game series, you might have more upsets than, Mm -hmm. than you normally would. But anyway, so, west head we lost the second year now we're going into the magic's third year and magic says to my dad you know i'm not happy the way this coach is coaching me and i i want to you know my dad said look you guys are leaving for utah you know go play the game there and um you know just just you know we'll talk about when you get back (laughs) So after that game we lose in Utah, Magic says to the media, I want to be traded. Mm. And so now, now the pressure's on, you know, my dad has to make a tough decision. And so my dad's decision was he, he really wasn't comfortable with Pat taking over. So he wanted Jerry West and Pat to co-coach and Jerry said, no, Pat's, Pat's our coach. And, you know, it, it, it's like they never looked back. The rest is all the, history. Yeah, all the you know, Pat just stepped into a role, and that's where we went. I, I'll never forget, like seeing him, you know, walking past him in the hallway, and we always said his nickname's Riles. Right? Hey, Riles, and he said, "He." I go, "Hey, Riles," and he stops and he goes, "Jeannie, you got to start calling me Coach." And then that's when he started like the hair back. He in the, because that's what his dad did, mm. and and you know he took on that role of as a leader that the team needed, and uh, you know he was born for that position.
3: Yeah, when you guys came into the league, this the the, the persona of the league was it was drug filled, um, very black, and just not in a good place. And I think the growth of the league kind of coincided with your guys's rise your guys' rivalry with the Celtics, the big TV deal that was signed in what 83 or 84 if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, talk to us about that era like I said because you guys really catapulted the growth of a league
4: well I think I think really it was you know the rivalry between you know Larry and magic, and, magic. Mm-hmm. and it captivated a nation and um, you know in the the late 70s, um, the NBA finals were on tape delay. Right. Right. You know, Can you, you imagine? You couldn't, that? You couldn't, you couldn't find watch them. Live. Right. And so people wanted to see Bird and Magic. Then we signed a big deal with NBC Sports and they really got behind it. And they helped build not only the league and the teams, but they knew how to build personalities. Mm-hmm. And that's when the players really right. could shine, right? right? It wasn't just about um, the city that you were, you know, representing. It was about the players' personalities and and um, sports marketing. Mm-hmm. You know that didn't exist. Right. It, you know, like it, 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 it it's really crazy to think, right? Like with you know, selling soda and you know. Potato chips, you know, and but that the the power of the branding and the exposure that our players got just made the, the league even that much more powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. Please describe what the NBA Finals in the Forum felt like mm-hmm. between the Lakers and Celtics in the mid '80s. Take us there.
4: <laughs> um, you know, the, the demand for tickets. Insane. You know, I just I wanted to go into hiding because it was every celebrity every um sports figure in golf you know tennis hockey everybody and every, every, everybody you know and so there was a player Wayne Gretzky who was um playing for the Edmonton Oilers and um so of course Wayne Gretzky I mean the, you know the great, one, great uh he came and I had also gotten tickets for uh, a a girl by the name of um, Janet Jones, who was a actress and dancer. And so that game, I think it was in 85, they, you know... They had met once before, uh, because he was a judge on dance fever and she was a dancer dance on dance fever. fever. And so they reconnected at this Laker game and ended up You made a getting, love connection getting, getting married nice. and they invited me to the wedding oh, you guys because the That's of that. Dope. You know, so you know, you, you just it, it it just brought every everybody together and um, you know, and then the parades, hmm. you know, just you know, take your breath away, um, you know, in in just the city shutting down and everybody being happy. What yeah. a great experience.
3: How did the Laker girls come about? <laughs> because, I mean, that was entertainment in itself. I mean, you guys had a young Paula Abdul and other young uh, LA Scarlets at the time, but no one really brought, like, it kind of just seemed like your dad was about full and experience, not mm-hmm. just a game, not just, I'm going to give you everything when you come to our games.
4: You're exactly right. Thank you. The Lakers were the first team to have a dance squad. No team in the NBA had that. And the reason, you know, was that the Laker girls performed when the, the, the team was taking a break. Mm. So he wanted the show to keep going. He didn't. And so he felt that, you know, the guys got center stage, now the girls get center stage. At that time, they, they, the girls um, were all graduates from either USC or UCLA because both teams had really great song girls, is what they were called. Then Paula Abdul was hired as the choreographer. She tried out as a dancer. And so she was the one who came up with these amazing routines. Oh, dope! And because of that, you know, the Jackson family, um, you know, Janet, um, all the Jacksons came to games, and um, they liked how she did her choreography. They hired her to do all their midi- music videos, and then that led to her having a, a recording great career, career. Yeah, right. So wow. you know, and she's still you know, just a gem. We love her and you know, she's part of the Laker family.
3: Absolutely.
4: But it's it's great opportunities for for the girls to dance and and they're not just on the court. They're ambassadors oh, out absolutely.
5: in the in Laker community. Leg girls. Oh, the
3: Laker girls and the Cowboy girls <laughs> <laughs> are like the two historical, you know, what you call them? Dance song, whatever you want right. to call them, like figures next to the team. And obviously Lakers being huge. Um, let's talk about Kareem passing the torch to Magic, but let's talk about Kareem because I think obviously it's great as Magic was. I think Kareem gets overlooked a lot in a lot of different conversations. How important was he to you guys' franchise?
4: I mean, he still is a a valuable part of our franchise today. Um, He is um, an advisor to our you know, to me, to, um, you know, all of our, our executives use him as a resource. But I I agree with you that he is often, um, you know, just because I think his personality really wasn't he wasn't
3: he wasn't a big media guy. He yeah. was to himself, yeah, I was yeah. more introverted
4: mm-hmm. and thoughtful in how he approached things. And I don't think a lot of people realize he played till he's forty two years old and how he he took his craft very seriously, um, you know, an intellectual, brilliant man, um, and really, um, you know, somebody who's stood. For the 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 right things, his entire career, he's been a leader, and the idea that you know he he started in Milwaukee and then, you know, wanted to come back to to L.A. where he played college mm-hmm. at UCLA, um, really was, you know, in, important for the Lakers franchise. It was before my dad bought the team, mm-hmm. and his chemistry with Magic was so so great because magic deferred to him and respected him and then did all the media. So he didn't mm-hmm. have to, so it was, mm-hmm. it was really, they, they matched nice it really duo. well.
3: Um, so we're in the nineties now in, in a rebuild phase, Jerry being instrumental in that, but take us down the path of the shack recruitment, um, <laughs> getting Kobe and what was next. You know, you guys went through a small, small dead period. um, But talk to us about the the, the mid-'90s regrowth of the Lakers.
4: The recruitment of Shaq really, you know, because he was a a free – not until he was declared a free agent, but you had to be set up, you know, and take that risk that he might have stayed in Orlando Orlando Mm -hmm. or gone to any other team. So that was probably the most, like, stressed I'd seen my dad about – you know, the team in terms of having the, to to clear all that the cap space in order to, you Being know, able to take him to, to get him. And then also, you know, trading to Charlotte, Vlade Divak. So now if you don't get Shaq, you've traded Vlade to get Kobe. And
3: Kobe just a kid out of high school at the time.
4: Right. You didn't know mm-hmm. if that was going to pan out. And so I think that was, um, it was a huge relief when Shaq d- d- decided to become a Laker, um, and uh, you know, it just what a what a tremendous personality and, and so much fun to work with.
3: We just had him on the show uh, two <laughs> weeks ago. Character, I got a chance to play with
0: him, so yeah, we we get it.
4: Yeah, he's an entertainer. Yes,
0: absolutely. <laughs> That's dope. Memories of what it was like to uh, going through the sign shack.
4: He was. The, You know, the best player in the league. And, you know, the Lakers had this tradition of having big to man. have a big man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was the best that you could get. And, you know, we're just happy he decided to sign with the Lakers. And then, you know, now building a team around him. Mm-hmm. And you know, but it, it, it took three or four years till we really started to get going. And um, you know, there was a couple wasted years maybe yeah. of, of his career in the, the, the mid to late 90s where we, we really didn't do a lot in the playoffs.
0: I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one concept. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's it. going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the exactly. Olympics, he's going guard, and then on I'm top of that. like that, see that?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Casella. Point Game. I remember mean, you came out my room crying tears,
0: <laughs> I mean, he was in a culture shock. and then he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he did it? Ain't <laughs>
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app,
2: DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to 150000 dollars in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash business gold card.
6: Right here, right now, find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee visit rightrug.com that's r-i-t-e-r-u-g.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you 24 month financing is available with approved credit for 90 years we've been right here right now right rug flooring
3: you touched on it a second ago but what are your thoughts when you guys are able to trade Vladdy for kobe um you know a kid fresh out of high school um you prayed that if you ever got another heaven sent such as a Magic Johnson, uh, and you're able to land a Kobe Bryant at 18, fresh out of high school, what what was that like for your franchise? Well,
4: you know, my dad was really close to Vlade, you know, and and um, that was that was a big leap for my dad to take. You know, he 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 really didn't like losing Vlade, um, and you know he had to be. He convinced it was the right decision. And, you know, Kobe, it's funny because it's like we're all so used to Kobe with all his great accomplishments, but he wasn't rookie of the year. Mm Mm-mm. You know, Mm
3: -hmm. it bothered him too. We when we had him on the show, it bothered like he sat and he was pissed and he felt like he could have did so much more. He saw his he saw his you know the guys he came in the draft with doing what they were doing, and he said it really hurt him that he wasn't getting a chance to really show who he was.
4: Yeah, I mean he they they made sure he wasn't going to be a starter.
3: Mm -hmm. You know, they made
4: that decision instead of throwing him in there, and that was brought up um, recently because the passing of Elgin Baylor, another Laker great, who was the only Laker drafted that was a rookie of the year, which is really hard for me to believe that, right? But, um, you know, such is the case.
0: How did Shaq and Kobe parent evolve in your eyes?
4: <laughs> um, Shaq <laughs> and Kobe, um, thats that that's, could be a whole show in itself. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Ren and Stampy. <laughs> they, they're just two, two different um, approaches to life, I think. And, um, you know, a match that on the court um, could bring out the best in each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when Phil came, that was, um, his emphasis was on Shaq and making sure that the, the ball went through Shaq Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, really highlighting, um, what Shaq was good at and, you know, trying to, to make sure that, um, as, as Phil likes to build a team, you have to, to make sure that everybody, knows what their role is and, and how they play into that role. And I think there, there might've been some head betting between Phil and Kobe early on, Mm -hmm. um, that resolved itself, especially the the second time Phil came back. (laughs) Um, but, um, you know, they were a, obviously a very successful duo. Uh, when my, my dad hired Phil, he, he signed Phil to a five-year contract, and it, you know, in 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 the making a decision about a coach, it's like you really have to 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 show the players that you're behind your coach. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the players are thinking too much in and out. You know, yeah, no who, consistency. Who's, who's next? You know, Looking like
0: nobody a, <laughs>
4: right. And so, so my dad signed Phil to a five-year contract, and he said to Phil, you know, I expect you to win a championship. Mm-hmm. I want I want a championship in these five years. And, and Phil was like, why wouldn't you want five,
5: Mm. you know, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm.
4: and so, you know, Phil ended up winning his first year, uh, with the team and they, they, you know, went and won three in a row, which is really hard to do, really, really hard to do because you have to stay healthy, you know, in that one, there was that one season where Shaq, you know, um, started the season late, um, and we had to catch up but um you know there was you know so three out of five <laughs> that was out of that five-year contract my my dad got what he paid for right, and uh, you know it was it was great but as as things have shown things aren't meant to last mm-hmm. and um, Shaq was um in a contract year and he wanted because of the the way the collective bargaining agreement, Um, was structured there were some players that were grandfathered in in the new agreement that were able to you were able to pay them more than the current players Mm -hmm. so Shaq was one of those grandfathered players and he wanted you know an amount of money that that was you know legal under the CBA but it wasn't what my dad wanted to pay him and so it, it, it came to the point where the decision was made to trade Shaq. Mm. And a lot of people want to put that blame on Kobe. It, it wasn't. It was mm. purely a money Numbers. situation, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if Shaq had agreed to be paid what my dad wanted to pay him, he'd have...
3: Was there spent. a huge difference in that? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, well, and,
4: and so that, that's why my dad looked to see in in the league who who had empty seats who who which team <clears throat> could you know bring on a player and pay him that kind of money and and reap we, the benefits because they have seats to mm-hmm. sell and Miami was the right place for him to go mm. and they paid him his money and he brought them a, a championship, championship. answer so, reward you know and, out. And, and, and a lot of people are like you know, oh, are you know, aren't you like pissed that Shaq is winning a championship with Miami? I'm like, no, are you kidding? I'm, I'm happy for him. Everything he accomplishes, I think of him as family Mm -hmm. and I want him to be successful. And, um, you know, and some people, you know, my newer friends, when I say, well, when Shaq was in Miami and they're like, Shaq was on another team besides Mm -hmm. the Lakers, they don't even know. But, you know, it, it, it was, um, you know, it, it it I know it hurt Shaq to be traded. I mean, it would hurt any of us, you know, that it's it's not a fun situation Mm-mm. to be in. But you know, I, I spent my time building that bridge back to him mm-hmm. so that there was a way that we could reconnect. and and now I sit on his board of his so. foundation, and he he wanted his jersey retired and he wanted to go into the Hall of Fame as a Laker. And, um, you know, that, that's what's important to me because unfortunately trades are part of our business and it's probably the toughest part for me. But, um, you know, we have to acknowledge we're, we're dealing with human beings. We're all human beings in this, and that comes with emotion and you have to allow people to feel their emotions. Um, you know, when it comes to that,
3: I wanted to rewind real quick. In 1999, you were named executive vice president of business of business operations for the Lakers. How excited were you for that next step? Mm-hmm. And and did you realize at the time, being a woman making these kind of moves, that you were viewed as a role model and an idol, and people looked up to you.
4: Uh, well, certainly, when I, I I started attending board of governors meetings, there was never a line for the ladies' room. <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> there was like, you know, a couple women who worked for the league, and um, but now, you know, uh, twenty years later, there's there's. You know, two other women governors, um, Gail Benson in New Orleans, and and Jody Allen, and with the Portland Trailblazers. So um, I, you know, while I get you know credit and accolades for being the first woman. Uh, governor to, you know, win an NBA championship, I know there's going to be more. And I, I, you know, and if I am considered, you know, uh, you know, breaking the glass ceiling or, or being a role model for other people, I, I know what it meant for me to see women in, in positions of power. And, um, you know, so when I look up to Billie Jean King, um, you know, who, who is a friend and a, and an inspiration for me. I like what she said after, you know, winning this, this championship, her quote about me was, you know, how important it was because, um, you know, they, people need to see when, that women can not only lead women, but also men as mm. well. And, 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 you know, that, that's, that, that's why that was an important part of history.
3: Absolutely. So Phil Jackson arrives in 99, um, after winning six titles, um, in eight years, you guys spark a relationship. (laughs) What did he bring to the Lakers from a
0: coaching perspective?
4: Um, I think it was really about, um, creating the team atmosphere and, um, he, you know, having a system like the triangle, like, you know, the triangle has been maligned um, many times, but you guys can talk more Mm -hmm. about the basketball Mm -hmm. aspect of what the triangle means. But, you know, it was about, um, you know, highlighting your strengths as Mm -hmm. a player and as a team. And that's how you would score your points was wherever Your, your strength was you highlighted it Mm -hmm. and you, you know, um, tried to, um, hide your flaws or your, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the weak parts of your, of your team that you didn't have. And so he brought a, a discipline that was needed, um, his leadership, um, I, I would get in fights with him because (laughs) he would, he would make the team practice on Thanksgiving, And I was like, I I finally snapped at him. I'm like, why are you doing this? They just got back from a road trip and, you know, they're, they're tired. Like, you know, why do you bring them in for practice? And he said, he goes, first of all, they'll have plenty of time to be at home with their families and have Thanksgiving dinner he said but i'm building a family here and they Ooh. need to know that Ooh. and that's what families do they're together on holidays wow. so that's why we need to be together he was a
0: winner though he just
3: he, he was just a winner bro. right well if you think about what he did his first 3 years to win 3 in a row with them but coming off 6 and 8 years with mm-hmm. the bulls so he won what nine, nine championships in 12 years yeah and i mean unheard no, of insane you know what i mean and, and the one thing i got a chance to the know, last night when i was with him <laughs> i got he always a, liked yeah. you
5: as a player <laughs> yeah. you know that right right
3: i got his uh, you know i got his lap was blessed enough to play his last year when he went through the cancer and everything but mm-hmm. the one thing that his approach was in like the mental aspect in the game was the most important aspect and we would meditate and talk and he would play these chimes like he would just do some shit you're like fuck, it's got to work. It's Phil Jackson. But like Mm -hmm. it really like looking back on it now, it was just really like it was strengthening your mind. He would give you books to read. Like he really thought the mental, I mean, once we get to this top level, I mean, everyone can pretty much do everything, but what's going to set you apart is your mind. And that's Mm -hmm. what he really, really focused on. How do you think he helped push Kobe and Shaq to be their best on the court, because that was the one thing I found when I played for Phil. Phil would talk to Kobe like he would talk to the 12th guy. Like, Phil didn't give a fuck. Like, if Kobe was bullshitting, Phil would be the first one to tell him. You know what I mean? But he said there was no favoritism or anything. Like, obviously, Kobe was our best player, but he was treated like everyone else. But how do you think he was able to push those two guys in particular's buttons to get them to gel on the court?
4: Um, I think that's – you said it well when you said pushing their buttons. Mm -hmm. Like, he he, he knew – how to reach each person and um you know i think you know he 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 understood Shaq as a big man cuz you know Phil was a big man and and the importance of respecting the big man and he 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 managed that situation very well but it was tough you okay. know because Kobe was just becoming this beast in terms of you know his his playing ability and you needed to keep Shaq motivated, yeah. and that that's two <laughs> different <laughs> right. personalities and how you keep them motivated and um, and I, I i think that that maybe frustrated Kobe that that Shaq maybe was a little bit um, more babied or not called out as much, but I wasn't in the locker room, so it's hard for me to really. Explain, but there were times that Phil was very frustrated with both of them,
5: mm-hmm. and
4: you know wanted to, um, you know really, you know emphasize to them, the, you know the talent that they had. They could they could have won five championships mm, yes. in a row, and you know that those opportunities are so rare. But you know both of them being young, young they you didn't don't get it. they didn't know they didn't know. And You don't so, get it. So uh, You know, he did, he did the best he could, but I have to ask you, do you remember the book he gave you? I don't. And, you know, it's funny because that was another thing is he he would give the books out, right? And, you know, guys would make fun of it and, you know, Mm -hmm. just leave them in the locker room. And I said to Phil like, you know, why, why do you do this if they're, if they're not going to pay attention to it? Mm -hmm. And he said, he goes, I'm not asking them to read it right now. He said, the message that I have for them is there whenever they're ready to hear it. And it, that book sits it on there. It was for each yeah. person
3: too. Like he yeah. had read so many books that he, once he knew your personality, in my situation was I Probably started reading it. Thing. I don't remember it, but I tore my knee that year. So I was fuck everything. I was like, that was my minute. I was like, I finally have a chance to play for the Lakers, going for three championships in a row. And I tear my knee. So I was in a different place with Phil at that particular time. But it was interesting because you said it was, he had so much knowledge on all these books. Once he would get to know your personality, he would give you a book that would fit who you he who mm-hmm. he felt you were. So it's crazy. You said it wasn't a, a necessary right. Away thing, but at some point it would be there waiting for you.
4: And you were with the team that year that he went through yeah, his battle was, with yeah. prostate cancer, mm-hmm. and and so if 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 he hadn't had that other you know issue he was dealing with, he really would have embraced you because mm-hmm. he had been hurt as a player and he knows what it felt Mm -hmm. like to be separated from the team. And he would have. Yeah.
3: Well, we actually connected to be honest with you because it was on road trips. He would start, we would talk after games on what I saw and what I thought. And so it, it was, I only had him for a year you know what i mean but it was amazing to like think that like i'm talking to phil after games on what i saw the lakers you know i'm at home rehabbing my knee but he i'm talking to phil jackson about strategy so mm-hmm. I, like he really did care i thought it was dope for him to just take the time to even call me you know and have that kind of conversation well he
4: was like he was like thinking that maybe you might mm-hmm. be a coach mm-hmm. and like possibly especially as a father you're right. going to coach at
3: right. some at level some point, right, right. <laughs> T- talking about you and phil in particular how much was it basketball talk all the time or actually hey let's not talk about basketball let's what's let's talk about us or or whatever else anything but basketball was there a balance or was it a lot of basketball
4: there was a lot of basketball <laughs> and you know like he would we he, he would be watching um you know, games on TV and like, you know, not just our, you know, obviously not our games cause he'd be there, but you know, other games around the league and then he'd stop something and he'd rewind. He goes, okay, watch this. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, what am I looking for? Like He, you know, he, all the nuances that mm-hmm. he saw, like, I am not uh, sophisticated of an eye of, for basketball to, to see those things. Um, but you know, he would he what I think made him most upset watching games around the league is when coaches made mistakes. Mm-hmm. That really, because when when a coach makes a mistake, that's it 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 hurts the players. Like a coach should never make a mistake that's gonna affect the team, the players, team, right. the players mm-hmm. and and lead to a loss. And so it, it was always interesting to see, the, the coaches that he liked and who he respected. And of course, then there's referees. So don't even go Ooh, there. Right. <laughs> so Ooh, right. know, like, those conversations, Ooh. but we, we would be at dinner and, you know, he'd be diagramming things with the salt shaker and the, the <laughs> I and I'm like, it. Oh, please not this again.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So you guys went through some down years. Um, Oh, four to Oh seven in particular, talk to me what you saw from Kobe as a, Growing up, man and leadership kind of changing him because you could say whose team it was, possibly Shaq's team. I wasn't in those locker rooms. It was Shaq. But now Shaq is gone. Now, obviously, it's Kobe's team and there's a lot on his shoulders and he takes a lot of pride in that. What did you see as a man, his development as a man and as a leader during those down years?
4: He was a strong leader and he wanted to win. His appetite for winning was um, like all-consuming. And so, you know, when because the year that Shaq got traded, Phil also was let go, and so now we hire uh, uh, Rudy Tomjanovich, and you know, I, I, it was, you know, the time that I was with Phil was I really I I kind of became like the team mom, like I I I was more around the basketball side mm-hmm. of things. I'd always been on the business side, but I really wasn't around the the team that much. And so when when he was gone, I just kind of lost that contact and continuity with the team. Um, but I could see that Kobe wasn't happy and we weren't, we weren't doing well. And Phil took that year to uh, travel to Australia and New Zealand, you know, take a trip that he'd always wanted to take. And I didn't go with him because I had a job. Mm-hmm. I had to stay and work. And so um, you know, Rudy ended up stepping down, um, for, um, health reasons and they put, uh, Frank Hamlin in as the interim coach to finish out the year. And I was like, oh, now, you know, what are they going to do now? Who's going to be the next coach? And, um, there was a, a game, I forget which game it was. It was sometime in, in January or February, and I was watching the game, and it was an uh, end-of-game situation, and Kobe was running the, the huddle, and he called a play that was Phil's play. Mm. And it was like the what the F play, What the fuck, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, all of a sudden I thought, oh, my God, he... He's running a Phil play. Maybe there's like a bridge here that we could bring this back. And so I started working on Phil. Like, hey, do you want to, would you ever coach again? Are you going to coach again?
3: How hard are these conversations for you to have though? Because like, it's the business of right. Jeannie. This worst. is also my boyfriend. <laughs> like, where is there a...
4: <laughs> it's like the boundaries weren't good, <laughs> right. right? And I, but I mean, I, like I... I felt so protective of Kobe. Right. Like, you know, I wanted Kobe to what have was for what, what mm-hmm. was best for him. And I asked, I even asked Phil, like, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do next for a coach. You know, I go, who do you think would be best for Kobe? And he goes, me. <laughs>
5: mm. And
4: I'm like, okay, well now I have to see, I have to float this idea to my dad. And like, you know, is there any possible way of bringing Phil back? Because, When when my dad made the decision to trade Shaq because of the money, um, Phil said to him, I think you're making a big mistake. You know, like Shaq is the most dominant player in the league. And my dad said, well, that, you know, I'm glad you feel that way because you're not going to be coaching this team anymore. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it didn't end badly, but it, they were, weren't slow. on the same pa- right. page. Mm-hmm. Right. So now it's like, how how is this going to work? And And I think, you know, after having an organization that had Phil at the helm and things ran really smoothly, you know, to going into chaos, having a coach quit in the middle of the season or step down in the middle of the season, that it was, um, those good old de- Phil, days of Phil Jackson weren't so bad. And so they, you know, came back together and Phil returned as the, the... What
3: year was that? What year that did Phil That was
4: 2006, 2005-06. Two, okay. okay. So he, Phil only missed one year. Okay, And so now, now it's like, okay, how do, how do we make sure that things are, you know, good with Kobe and, and Phil? Because there was a little, well, there was Phil, a
3: little, there was a little. Well, he
4: came out with a book. The book. Right, <laughs> Phil, right. Phil like, is a writer. Right. And so he, he kind of talked about coaching mm-hmm. Kobe and what it was like. And, um, I was like, oh no, this going to work. <laughs> and I, I remember what we, we decided to do because, Um, Hurricane Katrina had just happened, and there was um, a dog rescue here in L.A. that that arranged to have dogs brought from this area where, you know, there was all these, you know, people had lost their homes. They couldn't take care of their pets. So um, we did a calendar where we had a photo shoot of players with different dogs that were up for adoption thinking that that would be, you know, help Mm -hmm. them get them adopted. And so, um, you know, that was the cover of the calendar was Phil and Kobe and a dog. And it was kind of like, (laughs) that's going to ease the tension. Like this dog would be like, you know, and doing something positive and, and, and helping. They, they both wanted to win. So that's always what their common ground was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could do whatever I could do, but it was their two basketball minds that just Mesh. Were
3: the best, and
4: so then you know that year the team that we had um you know we almost beat phoenix in the playoffs were you on that team mm-mm, no mm-mm. <laughs> i'm trying to think um that was you know um the steve nash mm-hmm, was on that Amari. team. yeah mm-hmm. like it was it was a really good team and and we we almost had it but mm-hmm. we you know lost in the first round but he got us back into the playoffs you know we had missed that that previous season. And that led to a draft pick that became Andrew Bynum. Mm -hmm. Then Powell came in February of 2008. And, you know, Powell, you know, that was uh, having Powell Gasol, who was, you know, he was rookie of the year. Mm
5: -hmm. So
4: here we we went, you know, right before the trade deadline, we get Powell Gasol. And then we just went on a tear. Like, Pal learned the triangle in two days. Like, super it, smart. Super smart. And it just—it was like. Did you guys now, thank
3: Jerry? Because wasn't Jerry over in Memphis and gave Jerry you guys Pal? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, we traded Marcus. Yeah, that's what people. Right? People,
3: oh, you got him for nothing, not <laughs> realizing that what you guys gave him yeah. was
0: Marcus Paul
4: and Kwame Brown. And yeah. so and um And. Right. Oh, do you played with Mark?
0: No, 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 no This, that was yeah. a one man trade. You just used the name, he was the name, was just there. So,
4: so now we get Powell, we go on this run, and we end up in the NBA Finals against the, the Boston Celtic Celtics of all teams, right? And the team wasn't prepared to go from like, you know, mm-hmm. like losing in the first round. Now, all of a sudden, you're in the NBA Finals and you've got Powell, and, and Powell had never. You know, he, he, this was all new to him. And you guys can attest how different playoffs are. Oh, yeah.
0: Totally different level of game. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes.
4: And so, you know, we were kind of humiliated. <laughs> to, Trying
3: to, to figure the, it out. Well, Kobe said that was his 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 worst loss of his career, losing in
0: 08 to Boston. How close was Kobe to the Clippers ha- really happening?
4: Um, you know – I never had that conversation with Kobe, but there was a game where he wore Clippers. A throwback,
5: colors. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and not
4: even the jersey. He wore like the colors. Oh, did he? Yeah, like very subtle. Uh-huh. And I, I'm like, you know, I could see like he loves he was, challenges, he was you know, he and, right? And, yeah. and 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 that would have been mm-hmm. like a, a, ch- a huge hell of a challenge. thing, right. right? So I, I mean, I, I do think that was something that was. Um, you know it very
5: possible mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> wow so you guys lose uh, could you imagine that though oh my god I, said, wow. I, I remember they were the Clip, bro. i remember they were talking about they were going to build an arena out in orange county for him he wouldn't have to travel now and like the clippers put the full court press to try to get kobe and i was just like there's no way this can happen so <laughs> that, that was crazy but i would give up everything i yeah. got to including children Yep. yeah <laughs> <laughs> So you guys lose in 08 um, to Boston, come back the next year, beat Orlando and get a chance for redemption in 2010. Talk to us about that.
4: Okay. Yeah. So like 2008, now we were humiliated by Boston in that game six. We had to like fly. We we barely won game five and now we have to go.
3: To Boston.
4: To Boston Mm -hmm. and lose by 30 whatever points. And, so now I've got grumpy Phil, you know, cuz it's so hard mm-hmm. to lose your last game and mm-hmm. you know now it's going to stick with you the whole summer. <laughs> and but you know Kobe had the Olympics, right? So now he's got a chance to like
3: redeem get mm-hmm. get back into mm-hmm.
4: beating somebody. Mm-hmm. And so of course they end up playing Spain in you know for the mm-hmm. gold medal against pal and you know there's it's on youtube i watched it recently um him you know uh just kind of leveling pal during the game and just kind of standing over him like you know this is what mm,
3: this needs to happen this, yeah this pal is pal got you, you don't want to say it but pal got bullied pal got punked a lot but kobe took that shit personal and kobe had a It was always out of love, but he was tough on Powell because he saw how great Powell was. And I think Powell spoke on how Kobe kind of molded him kind of into a different mindset because Powell was always so talented. But I remember Boston, they just tried to punk him KG, Perk, all them dudes, and that's what they did. And Kobe (laughs) fucking hated that shit. So when it happened in the Olympics, I remember that. And I was just like, Powell, this is what the fuck needed to happen. But I saw that in the locker room sometimes. Like he would be hard on Powell because. He knew how great Powell was. He was just such a nice guy, and Kobe yeah. didn't like that on the court.
4: Right. Yeah, you can be nice off yeah, the court, Yeah, he didn't right? like that
3: shit on the court.
4: Well, then then he, when, you know, th- we were getting ready for that next season, uh, Kobe hung his gold medal in Powell's locker <laughs> just to remind him. <laughs> so right, cold. Right? <laughs>
3: Only cold. So Only cold so, would do some shit like that. So
4: now we, you know, we get back to the NBA Finals, but it's against Orlando. And, um, it's funny because we ended up afterwards having Dwight Howard on our team. And that was, you know, Orlando was Dwight Howard's team at that time. And we're playing them in the finals. And, um, you know, it, it, it was just, it was great to be redeemed and, Mm -hmm. and, and win that championship. So now the, the following year, um, we get back to the the nba finals and this time it is against boston and it is um you know the way things should have been (laughs) Mm -hmm. and 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 no but having it go to a game seven Uh um you know you couldn't have, have written it any better that's what's so great about sports is it's it's so dramatic and Ironic and emotional and hysterical and it just every different kind every emotion
3: of emotion you can imagine. Yep. Yeah.
4: And so beating them was, was super sweet.
3: What I wanted to ask you, cause I was actually on the team. What happened with the CP three trade getting voided?
4: I can tell you exactly what happened. And it, it's, it's hard to understand if you don't know, like the background of how the league operates. So if you remember, we were in a lockout, Mm -hmm. right? So, so, um, when there's a lockout, there's a moratorium on everything. You can't make trades, you can't do anything. And so as, um, we were, um, making a deal with the union and then starting to lift the, 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 the lockout, you know, Mm -hmm. the lockout rules, um, we had to, um, all the 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 representatives of the team teams had to be in New York for board of governors meeting to ratify the the new CBA, and with that um, it also um, was tied to the revenue sharing that was, you know, an important component of our league, and so as as we're in this room, ratifying the union and or the CBA with the union and 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 voting on revenue sharing, all of a sudden there's uh, kind of this rumor that goes in around the room about a trade. Well, at that time, the team was run by understand. the league, mm-hmm. right? So there's no way a trade could be happening if we're all in this room doing league business except the the general manager of the team felt that he had the authority to make a trade
3: of new orleans at the time right okay
4: and so he felt that he could make a trade and my dad at that time uh was you know beginning to uh his health was declining and he didn't make the trip to new york i was representing the team so i didn't i did i don't I wasn't responsible for trades. Mm-hmm. So the trade was happening while everybody is in this room. So teams felt like, how is that possible? We didn't get a chance to, to make a trade for Chris Paul. And so they all attacked the league and said, this wasn't fair. We didn't all get a chance to, to you know. But
3: he wasn't going to you guys, so it doesn't matter. But it, go it, ahead. But it, 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 right. what, it, I understand what they're it, saying. Like
4: David Stern didn't reject the trade as commissioner. He rejected the trade as governor of the New Orleans team, right? Because he wasn't asked permission to okay the trade. But the general manager, when they said, we're going to have a hands, you know, arms distance from making basketball decisions because we're the league, felt that he could make that decision without having to have Mm -hmm. someone
3: Stamp it. Stamp mm-hmm.
4: it. So, like it, it, it wasn't the NBA trying to keep Chris the away. Lakers from Chris Paul. It was, it was about them, him. David Stern had a responsibility to make sure that it was a, a, a trade that he would approve. So now he just calls off the trade and wants everybody to cool down, because you, now you had a lot of teams thinking there was some mm-hmm. some funny business going on. But it wasn't. It was just mm-hmm. by coincidence how things lined up. So So now our front office decided to make a different trade and traded Lamar Odom to Dallas. So now you can't resurrect the trade because you just broke up the pieces that made it. Mm -hmm. And so now it was like, now it was, everybody was trying to get Chris Paul and the Clippers offered the best deal.
3: Yeah, that was crazy because I remember being on the team, and I remember guys that were involved in the initial trade. I mean, I think Powell was talked about, L.O. ended up going to Dallas, and the, and the trade got vetoed, so it just had a crazy energy in the locker room. Yeah, You know what I mean? Because I remember I was with Cope talking to Chris, like, oh, <laughs> like, oh shit, look out. So basically what you're saying is if the GM of New Orleans would have kind of just took his time, yeah, it would have happened. Yeah. He's Damn. speedballing. Yeah. Wow. Mm, so mm, so mm.
4: it really, I mean, the league isn't against the Lakers sometimes. Because I never knew that whole
3: story, and that's what I thought. I'm like, Dang, how did David Stern void this? Like, he's never done that. Right. But it was right. acting governor of the team right. that he did it as. Wow. So massive changes occur in 2013, not only on the basketball front, but in your personal life. Unfortunately, you you lose your father. Mm-hmm. Kobe tears his Achilles, mm-hmm. and you guys kind of start a drought of – bad basketball that no one in Laker land is accustomed to. Talk to me not about the basketball side, but about the personal side and and, and how hard that time was for you.
4: Um, it was it was difficult for me, you know, losing my dad. And then Phil decided to take a job in New York. So now I've got to stay back in LA and, and do my job. And Phil has now moved to New York. And, you know, I just, I felt, you know, it was it was a challenging time for me personally. And my dad, when he passed away, had left my brother in charge of basketball and myself in charge of business, and he wanted us to run the team together. And whatever my dad wanted is what I wanted what to do. What you wanted, right. And so my brother and I really saw things very differently about the team and how things should operate. But... Um, you know, I said to him after, you know, missing out in the playoffs, I, I said, you know, we had a family meeting with all of my siblings and, and what my dad did was, you know, really difficult to do when you have a asset, the size of that, you know, the value of the Mm -hmm. Lakers, um, it's really difficult to transfer that to the next generation because of Inheritance taxes, and um, so he he knew he wanted the family to keep the team. So for the ten years prior to that, he would transfer the the Lakers stock into a trust that would benefit his children, and would pay the taxes as he made each transfer. So that he, there was a, a really great opportunity for us to be able to keep the team and the family. So you know the idea that he 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 was so disciplined and thoughtful mm-hmm. that he had this this ten year plan to make it happen. I really wanted to to stick with his plan. Right. That's how important it was to him. And so you know with with my brother, I said, you know we we sat down. there's there's six of us siblings and we had a family meeting and i said you know on the business side i need to know
3: what's the plan
4: what's like it's and not basketball wise just you know when are we going to be back in the playoffs i have to you know figure out the finances mm-hmm. and and how to price the tickets and how things are going to go and you know he, he said i go just tell me when we're going to be back in the playoffs and 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 competing for a championship, I'm not saying you have to win a championship. It's just conversation. like we got to be and in the conversation, been, right? Your dad's
3: big thing. You always right. wanted to be in the conversation, right?
4: Because otherwise, you can't get free agents because right. they don't know they. It, and so now we're experiencing these like free agents, like not They're even returning down. our, our right. phone calls. And that's not right? that's not Laker, right? I'm not saying like we have the formula of how you win, but you have to be you know considered and respected to be you know to to get stay up at the top so um he, he he said it would it would take him 3 years and i i said well if after 3 years if we're not back in the playoffs then i'm going to have to make some changes and he said oh absolutely you know i would step down if i couldn't Succeed. I in think that he job. made
3: the mistake. Didn't he announce it well, though? That,
4: that's, that's what I was going to say yeah. is that here this was a private conversation. Right, he went... And and then he's the one who went to the media. Mm-hmm. So now the media comes Ticking to me bomb. and says, Are you going to hold your brother to the timeline? <laughs> and I Shit. have to say yes. Right. Because, I, mm-hmm. first of all, I, why would he say it if it, he didn't feel right. that that was possible? So I I said, of course, you know, like we're back Mm -hmm. on the road to, Mm -hmm. and so then as time went on and I saw some of the decisions that were being made, they, none of them made sense to me. Like we had Mike Brown, who's a great coach, right? And, um, but more defensive minded, Mm -hmm. right? Now you fire him after 18 months and you hire Mike D'Antoni. Another good coach, but offensive might, like your roster can't change. Couldn't get crossed over
0: in the phone booth.
4: (laughs) I mean, mean, like like I'm saying, both of those coaches are really good, but like you can't change your roster fast enough to accommodate what kind of style of basketball play. And Phil always taught me like, you know, what you have to do is you have to decide the style of play you're going to play. And then you hire the coach and then you get the players Mm -hmm. and then you do like it's it's, a process. Right. It's a process. And like, you can't possibly find success changing coaches every 18 months. No. And, and, you know, and I sat in the, in a meeting with a free agent who's on another team who I can't say because he's on another team, but you know, he, he sat there and he said, well, how are you going to use me to our coach? And the coach, his answer to him was, I don't know, because I don't know who's going to be on the team.
5: Wow.
4: <laughs> so I was like, okay, like, free agent's going to say, I, I I, I can't just leave that, that in your hands and you can't answer the question. So, I mean, I, I knew that, like, things just weren't going the way they, they needed to go. And now, um, you know, now I, I realize, you know, we're coming up on the three-year time span and the clock is ticking. And I'm going to have to make a decision on, on what's going to happen next. And that was really well, hard for me. Well,
3: yeah. I mean, to have to fire your... And, and I, if I'm not mistaken, you did it right before the trade deadline too, right? You had to pull the trigger quick. Yeah. So not only are you firing someone, but that person you're firing is your brother.
4: Right. And, and mind you, the person that I used to lean on was Phil. Well, Phil is now with another team. I can't can't, talk basketball with uh -uh. him. I mean, the the NBA made us sign a letter that we wouldn't, you know, like people Mm -hmm. were complaining that like it was too close. The Lakers
3: and the Knicks are talking. So
4: now it's like, who do I turn to? I turn to Magic. And I have a heart-to-heart conversation with Magic. And I said, am I seeing things the right way? You know, like you and, and... and having conversation with magic is, is like talking to my dad. like mm. like, meaning wow. he taught, you know, he was taught by my dad. Like mm. he sees the things the same exact way that I do. We spoke the same language and, you know, he, he was the strength that I needed at a time when I was really at a crossroads. But like you said, we had to make the decision, uh, before the trade deadline because I was worried that my brother was going to crash it and burn it mm-hmm. and that then we it would be that much harder to recover mm-hmm. from something. So, um, you know, because there was a lot of pushback about that we didn't, you know, do interviews for, you know, front office. And the thing is, is that it had to be kept top secret. You couldn't show your hand. Right. Right. You couldn't show your hand. so I couldn't ask permission of a team to talk to their assistant general manager without tipping like what's going on with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's, that's when Rob was, Rob Palenka, it was, you know, you know, who, who I had dealt with. And another person that you know, thought like Kobe, thought like, you know, mm-hmm. a person that I understood, um, you know, was was the perfect person for us to bring in as general manager. But really, it was about putting Magic at the front of and the, the top of the basketball operations, which then our fans knew Magic's not coming back to lose.
3: Just to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so
4: that was a, a, a key moment for me. And you know, of course, it was met with disbelief by my brothers, my two oldest brothers, who didn't realize that what my dad did, and he didn't tell any of us. Well, he told me, but he, that that he he put the power in my hands, oh. and that um, you know, my brother took me to court
5: mm-hmm. to
4: try to take me out of. Um, my position, <laughs> and you know that the, the league, leagues don't like that. Leagues mm, don't like when when
5: mm-hmm.
4: teams are in turmoil in mm-hmm. chaos. Especially the Lakers. Yes, exactly. And so it, it was kind of like we had to deal with it swiftly and smoothly and firmly, and that's you know that's exactly what we did and turned you know mm-hmm. everything around and let people know who's in charge right. now. And that was that was the, the the turning point to get us to mm-hmm. a, a championship.
5: That
3: was huge. Um, Magic and Rob, um, Magic obviously standing by you in that in that tough transition. Rob coming on board, and then there was being a little friction between them. Um, you know, you spoke on. I think you know there was some cracks in the ship, and there was some leakage getting out. You guys were able to fix that. How tough was it to have? knowing magic the way you do and and the love you have for him. And then him kind of stepping away publicly and then kind of have a whole nother wrath coming at you. How tough was that to deal with?
4: It was, um, it was again, you know, I mean, like you've a, been through a lot of I shit. Lot of I mean, shit. you got
3: some nice jewelry, but you've been through a lot of shit to earn it.
4: <laughs> well, you know, like that's when, when, um, magic stepped down. Like I had no idea that he felt that way. And, um, you know, I I would never want magic to be in a job that he that wasn't fulfilling to him or that he wasn't happy in. So I, I you know I I, I just wish he would have done it a different way mm-hmm. because that it, it took me off guard. But now in retrospect, when I look back at it, it, it was very similar to that story I told earlier when when Magic wasn't happy with the way the coach was playing him. And my dad said, just just give me a, you know, just give it some time. And, you know, magic wears his heart on his sleeve. Yep. When he feels something, that's Speaks right it. there.
5: Mm-hmm. And
4: and so that day, it was the last game of our regular season, and um, I was driving to Staples Center, and I get a call from Tim Harris, who's head of our business operations, and 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 I answer the phone because I'm late and I'm supposed to be at Staples Center. I'm not there yet. And I just answer the phone and I said, I got a flat tire. I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. And he goes, turn around. And I go, no, 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 no. I'm okay. Like, the I got it fixed. I'm on my way. I'm going to get there. And he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, magic, just quit. I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, I don't know what's going on. He's on TV ESPNs. right now, right. Like, and I said, yes. oh my God. So, you know, we turn around and we convene at our headquarters in El Segundo and try to figure out what's happening. And I think what, you know, had I been on time because Magic was looking for me and when he was looking for me, he, you know, people are like, I don't I know where Genie is. She's not here yet. I'm not in my usual spot. He when walked by the media, the media mm-hmm. and that's it go. when he, wow. so if I had been on time, I would have, he probably would have, you know, and, but he did say he was afraid to see me because he was, I talked, talked him, him out of it because yep. I would have started crying.
5: Mm-hmm. So
4: I, I, I get why if, if he wasn't happy, I wouldn't want him to be in a job where he's not happy. That's when you, 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 want to keep your two feet on the ground and say, I don't really know what's happening Mm -hmm. here. And then the rumors and the, you know, it's like, you know, I accidentally sent an email to magic where I was, you know, I was really thinking I was talking to Rob, but I was making fun of magic mm-hmm. and like I mean, like I never emailed with magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I you right. know, I talked to him, right? right. Like it was an email. Right. But it, I mean the, the rumors were just like out of control. And so I knew that something was feeding it and that we had to kind of shore up um, you know, the, the leaks sense. that were yeah. taking place. Yeah. And you know, we we got we got our feet on solid ground
3: well because p i mean it's you know you guys have experienced so much success so it's almost like a and it's crazy to think because this is really your life and you've been through a lot but people were happy to see the lakers struggle because (laughs) you guys have done so fucking well and won so many championships so to see oh they are a little bit normal oh they do have some leaks in the ship like people really enjoyed that time you know and me as someone who played as long as i played always had a special place in my heart for your organization because I grew up watching Magic. You was my favorite player, my favorite team. It was just kind of hard to see where you guys were at currently. Obviously, I didn't know the behind-the-scenes situation. I'm just getting done playing, but it's just like it looks like a lot, but you guys never stay down long is is the thing. You know what I mean? And, and that's obviously a hat-off to you because you've kind of been on this this journey the whole entire time.
4: Well, I you know, I just I I went back to the way my dad ran the team. Mm-hmm. And, like, it didn't mean – you know my dad didn't win every single year but it's like you 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 have to get things in the right order mm-hmm. and um you know we were we were all over the place and you know now and, and i wouldn't i wouldn't have faulted after Magic stepped down, I wouldn't have faulted LeBron coming back and saying, "You know, this isn't what I signed up for." Mm-hmm. Because Magic was a big reason why he LeBron came, came to yeah. the Lakers to begin with. LeBron wasn't going to waste the last few years of his career being in a place that mm-hmm. didn't know what it was doing. Right. And so I would you know, he he could have easily said, "You know, I want out, you know, I want to go somewhere else." Um but instead it was like he's he stood even with you deeper
3: right? he was in.
5: Yes. Well talk
3: to us about that process. I mean you guys pull off one of the biggest free age signings in the history of the game. You know, you get LeBron James to come to the Los Angeles Lakers. It seems like a match made in heaven, but it really happened. <laughs>
4: it did. It did and like I said, I I value a player's career because it is it is it's such a small amount of time that a player can be mm-hmm. um, you know, playing at his top level. And, you know, we, we had to really, you know, I'll, I'll tell the story about, you know, my dad was a great poker player. He was actually ranked on the World Poker Tour. And he would always try to get me to play poker. He tried to teach me the game. And I was a terrible poker player because I can't bluff. I can't, you know, I'm just not good that way and I'd get frustrated and then he'd get frustrated with me and he goes he goes I I want you to know why I'm I'm trying to teach you this game. He goes people think that you know poker's like a you know it's a lot of fun but it really is about stamina and it's about like hanging in there until you get the cards. Ooh. And most people don't have the patience mm-hmm. to wait for the cards. He said, I know you have patience. I know you have perseverance. He said, but when you get the cards, you have to be able to go from zero to 100. And I'm not sure you can do that. I'm Mm. not sure that's in your personality to do that. And, you know, it's like now we we had LeBron and we had assets.
3: You had to go all in. To get...
4: You know, a player like Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. and and that was really, really difficult for me because I get attached, I, especially those young players. You got players a great young that, core, right? You know, but in order to get a great talent, you have to give up great talent. So I, I like to think that I have that, that that gene that he was talking about.
3: What he was looking for. Yeah. Talk to me about what LeBron. The man has meant to your guys' organization. Obviously, he, like I said, he he weathered the storm with Magic leaving a whole, a bad season. Trades happen, a lot of stuff is going on. You guys are able to get AD, but he kind of seemed like, from the outside looking in, it looks like he's kind of, we're never going to get over Kobe's passing, but I think he kind of eased the passing. Um, he was able to help bring a title back this past year. What has he just meant to the Laker brand and, and what has he meant to you as a person?
4: When he signed with um, the Lakers, there were some people that, um, you know, put up murals and some
3: some people fans didn't like defaced that. Defaced
4: it, right? Yeah, and, LA
3: people don't play. That's right. the one thing. They're diehard Dodger, Laker fans. But Kobe is God. Right. So for for LeBron to come in right away and 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 be muraled like you know some some greats like Laker fans were having, he had to earn that.
4: Right. If you're a Laker fan, you have to be happy that he's here. Like he's coming to 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 us, Laker mm-hmm. fans. So I didn't understand that, but um, you know, like you said, it's it's you know. People have you have to earn your mm-hmm. your your love here, and he did. I, I mean he he did exactly what he said he would do. um and you know, he wanted to lead this team to a championship. Um, he's fearless. um and I think in the times, the social unrest of last summer, I was really um just so impressed with. His composure and his purpose in the things that he said. And one of his big campaigns was to get arenas open to be voting centers. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And not, I didn't really understand like how much of a difference that would make, but it did. And you know, he he's not one to back down from a challenge. Um, and. I like to say he's like the closest thing to a superhero I've ever met
5: Mm -hmm. in
4: that he is so powerful and strong and smart and, but he does things for the the good. Of everybody.
3: Yeah.
5: Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's
3: kind of like the people superstar. I mean, he, Kobe was a superstar, but he wasn't, it wasn't really the time to really kind of be out as spin out, but I don't know if that's even Kobe's personality, but that's something LeBron embraces and Mm -hmm. he talks. And I remember with the Donald Sterling situation, he was in Miami, if I'm not mistaken, at the time, and he was very outspoken that we can't stand for this. You know what I mean? And that was kind of the beginning of athletes speaking about stuff that Outside of sports, that really mattered, and right. he kind of took that brunt on. But since then, I mean, obviously, like you said, he's he's been a superhero, opening schools, and, and 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 coming out here and standing for the people, and and that's what I think. To me, he's an amazing and one of the greatest we'll ever see. But he's just as powerful off the court, and and I love the off the court. I mean, I love watching him, but the, the power he has off the court can, can change the world. To be honest with you,
4: I agree. He's made me stronger. That's
3: yeah. for sure. Kobe talk to LeBron. The night before he passed, obviously congratulating him on a, on a, on a milestone uh, just shows what kind of character he has. But what did that mean to you to know that they had a little bit of, you know, back and forth on behalf of your franchise before mm-hmm. he was gone?
4: Kobe um, was such a, um, you know, he was he was a sort source of strength for me. And, you know, when I had to go through what I went through with my brother, um, I met Kobe for lunch and I talked to him about you know what I was thinking of doing and um he said you know he goes if you're if you're if this is something you're really going to do you have to go all the way
0: mm-hmm. 110.
4: 110 like and and he, it was very game of thrones like <laughs> right <laughs> which is and and the strategy so you know after it all happened cuz it happened quickly he just texted me the emoji of, you know, the mother of dragons. Mm, <laughs> that was it. Nice. Yeah, that's all. Yes. That was it. That, that was his so message up. to me. Yeah. <laughs> and um forever the mission um for me will be about Kobe's legacy. And, you know, he he set the bar for what it means to be a Laker. And we're gonna we're gonna live all up that. to that. And um, you know, that we have so many ways that we're going to be celebrating him. He's going into the Hall of Fame next mm-hmm. month. And, um, you know, I, you know, wear his number and, and Gigi's number. Um, and, you know, he was coming to games with Gigi. It was really so adorable. You know, the father.
3: The father-daughter thing. You know, mm-hmm. right. But, I mean, that's a similar situation with you.
4: Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to be missed forever. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just... It,
0: you know what I wish, though? I, I wish more owners of teams could be as transparent as you are. You know what? Because it'll make the relationships with the players so much better. But it's real. because it's a relationship. And, we, you know, he'll tell you, too, when my 14-year career, I can't tell you two or three owners that I had a conversation with. Mm. You know what I mean? And so I, I know for Kobe and the other players in your, and the players around your organization, that means a lot to them. And it make them want to work hard for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I commend you, and especially being a woman, I commend you on the way you, 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 you relate to your players, and the way you get into their lives and care so much. That means a lot. What? on the outside looking in,
4: and and we and I would say because I've watched, you know, the ownership turnover in the league, and I would say there's now a, a generation of owners that are my age and younger mm-hmm. who are. Doing Very, it's different, yeah, doing it's, things yeah. different, and and are open and and see it's more of a the family
3: environment. And like you said, it's not obviously it's a business, but it's a family. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like Jack just touched on. I mean, if I like if I know you personally, like if I know Jeannie really has my back, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to make Jeannie's life easier. And that means being a great person on the court and off the court. But like I said, if there's a disconnection there, it's just all right. Let me go do my job instead right. of like let me go play for my family. But one thing I, that 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 you may not even realize that other Being a Laker is so much more than basketball, Mm -hmm. so much more than basketball. And you've seen some great players come and, and, and put that Laker uniform on and they're not able to live up to the standard because I think there's so much, unless you've been in this, you don't understand the pressure of constantly even when you guys weren't doing well, you guys are still the top story. When Just you're doing it. yeah, when you're doing well, you're the top story. When you're not doing well, the top story, when something bad happens, it's almost celebrated because you guys are so good that they're like they like to kind of find a chink in the armor. <laughs> I mean, how what what do you do to relax? Do you do I need to teach you how to smoke weed? Oh, yeah. Phil might well, we, already we did that. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, what is, what is, what is, Jeannie, what it's is, legal. before we get the quick it's hitters, really. we got about five questions. We're going to end it. But what do you do to relax? Because, like I said, you've had a, a hell of a life, but journey in professional sports, ups, downs, had a lot of strong role models in your life. You've learned a lot. You've showed, you've taught people a lot. But what do you do to relax?
4: I have a dog, so that helps. And I, you know, took a, a comedy course on how to do stand-up comedy. Not like, <laughs> that, like, that I'm funny, but, you know, like, I like doing different things, like mm-hmm. trying. Um, um, and, you know, yesterday I got to go to the movies. You know, that that was taken away from us for a year. Yeah. And so I got to see Godzilla and mm-hmm, King, Kong, King Kong, which is like, mm-hmm. yay. <laughs> like just, you know, that just, you know, takes your mind somewhere else for a couple hours. And, mm-hmm. and I live a pretty... Um, simple life and you know enjoy friendships and competing and you know it's it's hard like when when we talk about like you know wanting owners to be more transparent and and you know it doesn't mean that we're soft, right, you know, right? right? I mean, there is nobody I like to beat better than, you know, Michael Jordan with Charlotte or with, you know, the Boston Celtics or whoever. It's like, but you have to respect your opponent. And, mm. and, you know, when I um, accepted the trophy, um, I talked about each team that we met along the way and thanked them Mm. for, for bringing out the best in us. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, it's really important and sports has to keep that. That's the lesson that we want our children to know is that, you know, you, you appreciate the person that competes with you Mm -hmm. because that allows you to be the best that you can be. And there has to be that respect of your opponent. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm not for, you know, dividing, um, you know, and hating and, you know, I don't want to see another team, you know, engulfed in fire you know like it's Mm -hmm, it's but you know I want them to bring their best game to us you know because then we are not really you
3: just told the Nets to bring it on I did you told the Nets you you want all the smoke you guys bring that shit from Brooklyn out here
4: well it's like you know Golden State had you know a, a great run and they have great players and great you know front office and you know they set the bar to higher mm-hmm. and like, you know, I, I just, I really appreciate when teams do that and mm-hmm. they, and th- that they know how to create a roster that complements each other right. and that, that they're not just spending money to spend mm-hmm. money. Like you're going to buy a championship because you cannot buy let a championship. <laughs> that let doesn't all. happen.
5: <laughs> all
3: right. Well, quick hitters. First thing to come to mind, let us know. Um, if you can go back one night in Laker history and relive it again. Which moment would it be and why?
4: Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. so many. I'm surprised you
0: remember half the stuff we asked no, she's her. She's on <laughs> <around laughs> the so long. Right. She's on point too. Memories, A one.
4: Uh, um, I guess the the you know, two thousand championship, uh winning at Staples Center and and that that um parade that we had because staples center was just built and there was nothing around it so you know we had hundreds of thousands of people as far as the eye could see it, and that still gives Ooh, me chills
0: dope five most important lakers Ooh. of all time oh, going to ask me that. yes we're gonna put you on, on the spot, spot. Im-
4: important yes or, um,
0: five most important lakers of all time
4: Okay, well then, then uh, you know you have to start with Kareem. Yes, and uh, you know Kobe, um, and LeBron, and oh, this is hard. Magic. Magic, yes, mm-hmm. of course. Magic, yeah. Ma- magic might be number one. No, I uh, Kareem. I don't know. Like they, <laughs> they, they like that. It's that's, that's that's it's so hard. You got so sport sport. Or four. One more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and Shit. important. Important. Phil? Well, does he count as yeah, a Laker? yeah I mean yeah okay, absolutely then Phil.
3: there you go That's a so nice <laughs> okay, um top five Lakers celebrity fans,
4: um let's see Jack Nicholson, my guy, Diane Cannon. There's mm-hmm. a reason he sits next to the visiting bench That's by my the guy. way, right? It's That's like, my guy. you just never know what Jack's thinking mm-hmm. Diane cannon, um, you know, I'm gonna throw out um. Well, Denzel Washington. I was about to say, he to yeah, he, he sits right near me. So I get to see Denzel. Um, we need to see more of him. Um, oh, gosh. Um,
0: what about Andy?
4: Andy Garcia. He's fantastic. Um, you know, then there's like Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. Ooh, and um, Arsenio Hall. And I mean, you we can go on all yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> we can go on all day, like yeah. different, different eras, too.
0: So nice. Top five Laker villain opponents.
4: Oh let's see Boston. Yep. Boston. <laughs> Boston.
0: Boston, Boston. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I
4: no, that. I mean I I think you have to put in Detroit um and the 76ers. And um, you know, I, I like there is that carryover with the Knicks a little bit, but mm-hmm. You know, we, we need there. you know, they're going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So maybe the Knicks.
0: San Antonio the ch- stopped the Legacy from oh, having the 10 Sanan- championships. Yeah. I'm sorry. San Antonio. <laughs> I forgot about.
4: Gee whiz. It's, mm-hmm. it's too many. There's too many. Phoenix. Like, yeah.
3: Five mm-hmm. dinner guests dead or alive. You plus five people at a dinner table discussing whatever.
4: Oh, wow. Oh, like discussing whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. You know who I, I really regret that I didn't get to know was Wilt Chamberlain.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and, gosh, you know, like John Belushi Ooh. for comedy and Frank Sinatra because nice. <laughs> of the Ooh. music. Yeah. I know, like, that's a hell of a table <laughs> so far. I, I that's know, three. Right? You got two more. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, gosh. Um, I, I don't know. You guys should have given me these to really think about. <laughs> I have so much experience. It's like it's not... Um, you know, um, I guess I don't
5: know. I'll just leave it <laughs> at that. Your, your, dad, and yeah. your
3: dad and Kobe. Yeah, I'll round that up.
4: Well, yeah, I saw one night in Miami. Have you seen yeah. that movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. I would love to have yes. a movie like that where you you have you know people like my dad and mm-hmm. Kobe and and you know just talking about
0: whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Last question. Who do you want to see on All the Smoke? You have to help us with your answer, Magic Johnson. Like you said, you know a lot well, of people. You haven't
4: had Magic. Johnson. No. <laughs> oh, you have
5: to
4: get Magic. Okay. You have Plucky. to help. You well, have to
0: help us get
3: Magic, Jeannie.
4: Okay. I will. I will put in my good word. Yeah. If that means yeah. anything. That uh, Means um, a lot. He, you know, he's very popular. He's mm-hmm. very busy. Like, so are you. Right. You're very yeah. popular too. Well, thank you. Actually, I
3: want to do one last question. When it's all said and done. When they say Genie Bus, what do you want them to remember?
4: Um, I I want them to remember. I'm that. a savage.
2: <laughs> that you them, I'm a savage. <laughs> 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 Could you imagine
4: if I said that I <laughs> <laughs> would have died. <laughs> um, you know, just protecting the Lakers' legacy.
3: Mm, you've done just a beautiful a job. Well, Jeannie, we want to thank you. Like thank Jack said, you. very busy, uh, but we look up to you. We love you. We admire you. We appreciate. All you've been through and all you continue to do, especially, like I said, I'm a lifelong Laker fan. So getting a chance to put on that jersey and get to know you as a person, not as management, but as Jeannie, um, I definitely appreciate that. So, man, thank you for your time and thank continue you. to best of luck for you and your team and your family.
0: Yep. Thank I you. I knew you was a sweetheart.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you.
3: Well, that's thank a wrap. Thank, thank you, me. Genie Bus, for your time. You can catch this on Showtime Basketball YouTube and the iHeart platform, Black Effects.
0: We'll see you all next week. I love it.
1: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus
6: only must be present in
1: Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
6: Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee.